Good morning and welcome back, audio adventurers. This is Talking to Myself, and I'm your host, Michael Stevens. Before we get started, I wanted to take a minute to wish you all a pretty happy New Year's. May your adventures come true in the next coming year. Perhaps as you celebrate New Year's, maybe waiting on some fireworks or a ball to drop, or the magical midnight kiss. I hope you swing by and take a listen to one of the top most shared podcasts in the globe. Now, when we last met, we learned how Alistair took hold of Telmara and got possession of the clockwork bangle, and that's when Alden sent someone or something approaching. I wonder what's coming. Let's find out on today's double feature episode. Chapter 13 Rally the Throng the sound of wearied footsteps tramped through the silence. Her eyes strained against the dark streets, trying to make out her guests. As they made their way past the bioluminescent foliage and fireflies, their faces became apparent and alike. Staring toward us were no strangers, but our friends. Grinning and laughing in a triumphant manner, Griffin and Nico obviously had bonded since I had last seen them. Arm over each other's shoulders, they swayed back and forth, laughing and singing, like two friends who drank way too much at the tavern. Tilly and Titus followed close behind, talking quietly to one another. Hilda and Finn took their time in the back of the group, giggling and murmuring sweet nothings to one another, as one could only assume. Joy swept over the six of them as they glanced toward the entrance of the smithy, and saw us gathered and waiting. Oh, it's good to be back, Titus announced with his arms raised above his head. Come, friends, there's much to tell. The triumph in Titus's voice brought warmth to my heart, and dare I say, courage for what was to come. We gathered at a large oaken table, united once more. Buford and Alwyn brought refreshments and sustenance. Once Buford and Alwyn took their places tableside, the time had come to listen to the tales of their travels. Who's up first? I asked the room. Aye, that would be Gripping and Nico. Titus said, waving his hand in their direction. His feet kicked up on the table as he lounged backward, picking at his teeth. Talmara is free from tyranny. After you left us in charge of lowering their defenses, and Nico and I went to work. And I gotta say, and Nico is an artist. Grip said with a grin. Yes, yes, but Grip mastermind. Grip good with timing boom boom sticks. Eniko clapped. Boom boom sticks? I asked quizzically. He means fireworks. It was perfect. Our first stop was into the city's waterway. That's where Eniko got the clever idea of using that magic bowl of his and sent mist up through the grates of the waterway. It caused the entire city to go into a trance. Similar to the soup incident he pulled on us in the swamp, but on an enormous scale. When we made it topside, Goblin and Redcaps were dancing to invisible music. 
We could walk past everyone. No one would bat an eye. From there, I got the idea to scare them all out of the city. That's when we went back to the Citadel Tower. I pulled some fireworks out of my bag I had left over from last year's Janus celebration. I fired them out of the highest window we could find. All I could hear was, Dragon! Dragon! In the streets. It was a ghost town when we left. <laughs> Grip laughed his impish laugh, till tears welled in his eyes as Aniko clapped. All right, all right. You've had your fill. It's me and Tilly's turn now. Titus spoke above merriment, leaning forward his feet coming to the floor with a thud. Tilly, the lovebirds, and I were sent to the lost library to gather items and intel, and here's what we found out. He gestured to Tilly, who was standing now. Shortly after the clockwork's creation and delivery, the Dwarven fled Delmara, fearing what was to come. They foresaw the events leading up to this. But how? They're just cybernetic dwarfs, not magic wielders. I interrupted with a furrowed brow. That's what we wondered as well. Titus interjected. It seems our friends weren't working alone, and you'll never believe who was helping them. His rugged rogue half-smile egged me to ask. Who? Tilly gave the answer that shocked the room. Merlin himself. No way. Didn't he die after the fall of Camelot? I said in disbelief. No, the old man was stuck in the in-between. He couldn't interact with your world or ours. No idea how he got out. Doesn't surprise me, though. It is Merlin, after all. Titus spoke, scratching his five o'clock shadow. So, wait. If Merlin's still alive, it means he's out there somewhere, right? I wondered. It is a possibility. Tilly stepped forward, clasping her hands together. We found that the Dwarten were in the hiding on the Spire Mountains. There's a chance Merlin could be with them. We also found out there's a failsafe if one of the clockworks fell into the wrong hands. But it didn't say what. Alright, so we go ask them. I concluded. What of Talmara? It pointed out, not wanting his efforts to go to waste. I'll take care of that. At first light, we meet in Bramblehaven Town Square. Alwyn spoke up. The same fiery look she gave me when we first met, when I made the mistake of mentioning her clothing style. That look was enough to warn everyone not to question her. It's settled then. We will meet in the town square tomorrow morning and head toward the spires by nightfall. Is that enough time, Alwyn? Plenty. She said as she flitted out of the room. All right, let's get some rest. We're going to need it, I announced. Yes, yes. Nice bed. No more icky ground sleep? Can do, boss man. Nico cheered happily as he hopped and spun his way out of the room. When the morning light finally caught up with us, its amber light filled every corner of that old smithy, bringing the feeling of renewal along with it. There was something different in the air that morning, a courage, a togetherness we had been lacking. The ambience of the room was filled with more camaraderie. It was as if we were the fireflies that night in the swamp, banding together to light up the darkness. Every movement made from one another was synchronistic, whether it was making our way through the blacksmith shop, passing out breakfast, or even getting ready to go. Alwyn helped me into my jacket as we headed out into the brisk morning air, and that's when I realized it was as if this ragtag group 
had now become something more. They were family. We made our way through the markets to the town square. Alwyn directed Titus and Alden to fetch empty barrels of mead and set them up for her. She sent Buford and Grip to spread the word. The town was to be gathered in the square for her impromptu meeting. Whatever those two did, it worked. The townsfolk gathered in mass. Elves, goblins, dwarves, and hands circled around pixies, nymphs, sprites, and centaurs. A melting pot of faces all looked onward as Alan stepped onto the empty casks of mead. She quietly cleared her throat. Faithfolk of Bramblehaven, I beseech you. I looked onward to the crowd of unsettled faces and mumbles as the speech began. We have all heard the rumors. A surfacer took hold of Talmara, who steals Faithfolk and forces them to join his ranks. We've heard he'd stop at nothing till all of Underhill was under his rule. Terrified looks washed over those who had believed the rumors, and the non-believers shook their heads. One goblin shuddered and covered his ears. Well, today I put an end to those rumors. The crowd grew silent and curious. I know surfacers can seem scary, but those are bedtime stories we tell our children. The truth is, Surfacers are just like us in so many ways. She gave me a side glance. But what if I were to tell you it's not a surfacer you should be afraid of? She asked the crowd, who grew more curious as to where she was going with this. It's one of our own kind. He's nothing more than a deranged and depraved paratin hiding behind the image of a surfacer. She gave a sudden look to Alden, as if to say sorry. Though, my friends, I will assure you that not all surfacers or paratins are evil. She placed her hands out on each side, ushering Alden and I to stand in front of her. We obeyed. Some can even become friends. She followed up after the gasps from the crowd died down. The ones who have taken Tamara fled from us. Why? Because they're afraid of us. They know we have the clockworks of legend. Awestruck sounds washed over the Fae folk. As if cued, I pulled the clockwork flower from my pocket and set it on the ground to display proof. The others followed my lead, first Tilly, then Titus, followed by Hilda and Finn, and Nico was last. We stood like warriors in front of the townspeople. I know things have seemed bleak for so long, but it's about to change. Tomorrow is ours again. Those of you who have fled can return, and those of you who wish are urged to defend it. There's no telling what they will do next. Your family and friends who weren't turned have been freed. Go to them. Cheers erupted from the crowd. So I ask of you, who will defend the city while we seek answers to free those under his control? And like the magic of willpower itself, the crowd roared fiercely. Ready to defend it with their lives, the sheer magnitude of courage emanating from them was enough to raise hairs. You must leave at once. Time is of the essence. As she finished, 
The crowd began to scramble to prepare. Not bad, beautiful, he said as she stepped down. Thank you. Alden's voice echoed quietly as he rested his head on her shoulder. A grateful tear fell from his eye. It's the least I could do, she said, petting his neck. Come on, we have some Dwarton and a wizard to find. With that, she began to lead the way to a long trek up the spires.